My three favorite words in the English language. Fly the L. Brewers win. Cubs lose. Cubs lose. Cubs lose. Yes, sir. Third straight win for the crew. And they beat the Cubbies 6-3. Freddie Peralta, dynamite on the mound. Fastball Freddie, who was fastball Freddie last night, by the way. He uh, he got her done, striking out 10, six innings, giving up just one run, a shot on two hits. And the bats came alive in the sixth inning for your Milwaukee Brewers. Rowdy, good morning. And not only did the Brewers win last night, but a little birdie, I think, reminded me this morning as I was driving in that I think you took a certain team on the razor's edge when you gambled on them. Yeah, yeah the Brewers did get a win last night, and we got a win on the razor's edge. Because oh, Rowdy rode the hot hand of your Milwaukee Brewers. And nice to see, man. Nice to see when the Cubbies lose. In fact, I'm just inspired right away about this. And we'll have our uh, certain individual on who is a hater, I would say, of this player just because he loved Orlando for no Arcia reason. for no reason. For, just because he loved Orlando Arcia so much. But we'll have Grant Bills of the Wisco Sports Show on the day at 740, and I will play him this clip. And we get a pinch batter for Daniel Vogelback. It's going to be Luis Urias. Good morning, you On the pinch hit. What's happening today, Euchre? How we feeling, brother? Loaded up with only one out. Mm. Played the game right here. 96.7 FM, 1670 AM, the zone. Urias. W-O-Z-N. In the bat 27 times. Couple of base hits. Mm. Base hit here would be huge. At least tie the game or a long fly ball. Would be big. Gets you a run. Would be bad. One out, come infield playing back. Looking for a double play ground ball. Not going to happen here, I can tell you that. Just looked at my Magic 8 ball. Andrew Chafin. Here you go. Let's get it. Ready to work. Here it is. Swinging and a drive to left in the corner. One's going to score. Two are going to score. Here comes run number three on a double that cleared the bases by Urias. Mm. And the Brewers have the lead at 3-1. Rowdy, right there is the play of the game, baby. What do you think of that? 100% the play of the game. What do you think of that? Luis Urias opens up the floodgates for the Brewers. And the Urias haters are shivering everywhere. Still clutching their stuffed animal with Orlando Arcia's face pasted on it. Sorry, boys. It's Urias' time now. Do you know where Orlando Arcia has been playing? Uh, I so think has he even been playing? Yeah, he's, he was traded to Atlanta. Yeah, has he even been playing? No, he's been at the alternate site. <laughs> he has. Dansby Swanson has been playing shortstop the basically since the trade. No, before I and after the trade. He has. I know he was traded for what infield depth, right? Is that what they said when the trade first happened? That Orlando Arcia would be infield depth, but he didn't even make it to the bigs, Rowdy. They put him down to the alternate site. As of this weekend, he was still currently at the alternate site. Man, who do they who do they have uh, in front of him? That's Dansby like, Swanson. Is 
Is that it? He's number one overall pick not too long ago. He's just so um, not Urias. Orlando RC is literally just he's gonna go chill on the alternate site, and in case someone gets hurt, it's depth. And that's what it is, huh? Man, we're gonna have to talk with our guy Grant. Bills well, I mean, who's he? Who's he going to play in front of? He's not gonna play in front of Ozzy Elbies at second base. Who's their third baseman? He's not going to play ahead of Dansby Swanson at shortstop. And third baseman <laughs> off the top of my head, who's their third baseman? Is it Austin Riley? I, I'd have to I'm check. not sure. All I know is that Orlando Arcia got a, some work at third base, you know, short amount of work in this young season. But, yeah, he's off, and he is now at the alternate site. Okay, we have to talk a little bit of what the hell happened last night with the Milwaukee Brewers and the lineup card because I um, – Watching the game, there it was is Austin Riley at third base. Is it? There was some confusion last night uh, with Craig Council, the umpires, and who was going to go out to pitch. Did you get? Can, can you like set it up for us, Rowdy, a little bit here? So it was going to be Perdomo coming in to pitch in the ninth inning, but the umpires intervened, and then the lefty was forced to leave the mound, who had just been. So he was brought up what from the team's alternate site. But he wasn't on the official lineup card, so council trotted him out there, and the um said he's not on the lineup card, and then he had to go back. And then what? Hater had to make, come out. This doesn't make any sense to me. I I don't know how this could have happened because at the beginning of the game, you know, the manager fills out the entire roster. Yeah, he gives you the card, the umpire the card. So therefore, he should have been written down on this card because that's who can play that night. Who's on the card? Correct. Yeah, it's it's just like basically an extended lineup. Yeah, you just hand the up your card like, here's the guys that I'm going to have available. And he didn't make that list. I don't know how he didn't make that list. I I, I have no answer. I, have, I don't get it. Here, I do have an answer, actually, from Craig Council. He did talk about it. Uh, Rowdy, thought we were going to have a big time, you know, Brewers fan all pumped up here. Uh, but let's see here, Rowdy. Here is Craig Council on what happened. With the lineup card. Um, I'm intrigued. Yeah, he was not on the lineup card. So, look, it's it's our mistake. It's an automated system now that's, when you make a roster move, it's supposed to auto-populate the, the lineup. But it's our responsibility to check the lineup. So, for whatever reason, it wasn't on the umpire line. It was on our diff- other lineup card, but it wasn't on the one given to the to the umpires. I uh, um, Here's one more from Council about the, the system. Apparently, it needs to be looked at, and it didn't update. It needs to be examined on our end for sure. We just need to. It's easy. It's an easy fix for us that we weren't checking it because it was automated, and that's our fault, and that's on us. And we were taught the lesson tonight that we've got to check it, and so that's how we'll approach it from now on: is to to, to check every player. But um, no question, it caused by surprise, and it wasn't a good feeling. That's for sure. But we, we got the W, so we'll learn from it. And like I said, set up a system and make sure it doesn't happen again. It almost kind of reminds me from hearing what uh, what for what he has to say there. It kind of reminds me of uh, when we board up the Bill Michaels show, because for the most part, you really don't have to be there. It uh, it, it takes just, care of itself, it runs itself. But every but once in a while, when the system messes up, you have to be there and take care of it. I what happened, uh, R- Rowdy? Is this like in the guise of fighting COVID nineteen in close contact of them doing this like online digitized lineup card? What happened to filling out a lineup card? With I don't know pen or pencil, and then handing it to the umpire. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know much about this. Yeah, I I never even knew this was a thing. Did you even know this was a thing? No, I had no idea that this was a thing. But last night, you know, Perdomo was supposed to come on to pitch the ninth, and then the umps were like, "He's not on your lineup card." 
your digital lineup card. And then who came on and got it done, Rowdy? Well, obviously, then they had to throw in Drew Rasmussen, who that ended the first with my bet. Who wasn't anticipating in pitching after throwing the night before, and obviously Perdomo's warming up. He's ready to go in. I mean, he's already on the mound, and now all of a sudden Rasmussen is forced into uh, duty, and then ultimately you had to burn Hater. So, which, yeah, as Craig Council said in those comments, yes, they got a W and they got to learn from this, but also. Better hope that these next two games against the Cubs these next two days. You're just blowing them out of the water? Yeah, that you're just blowing them out of the water because you wanted to have Hater available for tomorrow. Obviously, that was the plan. Yeah. You didn't want to have to use Hater. You were up 6-1, to one, and the reason why Devin Williams got in was because basically he needed some work. He'd only appeared twice so far in the first nine games. Uh, giving us some dingers. Jo- or a dinger. They probably wanted to stagger the two. They didn't necessarily want to blow. You don't want to blow through both of your big uh, no, guns no. in a six to one game when it's a. Uh, when do you have it one? Later. Yeah. So now you ended up having to use both of them, and not only did you have to use both of them, but now you use Rasmussen two days in a row. You got Perdomo warmed up and basically about ready to go into a game. So it, that takes a little bit of a toll on a on a pitcher having to get up and get loose. All because of a digital lineup card. So instead of uh, using. Two pitchers for the eighth and the ninth. You ended up using four and both of your big guns. All because of a digital error on a lineup card. And now I'd have to go one step further and say tonight, Devin Williams would not be available since they are still being careful with him from his soreness and tightness in his shoulder. <laughs> this is insane. So you'd have to imagine he's not available. And you would think if it, if it really came to in a ninth inning, Josh Hader would be available, but they have been babying him quite a bit yeah, the last time. couple of years. They totally have. And you'd have to figure that Rasmussen is 100% down. I don't I don't understand how what happened to A, just filling out a lineup card with a pencil and handing it to an umpire, and then B, apparently the digital lineup card was fine on the Brewers' end, but according to Craig Council but didn't update on the umpires. And I never knew this was a thing where they like check their cell phone or something and it's on there. I have no, I want to know more about this. And the biggest, the biggest thing is, yeah, they won, but this could affect them in the next couple games. Yeah. This, this mistake could affect them today or maybe tomorrow. Cause I mean, think about today, today you play a, a six, isn't it? Six forty again tonight. Yeah. Six forty. And then you right turn here in the around, zone. Yeah. Then you turn around and have to play a, a day game after a night game at, I believe it's 1240. Uh yeah, I have to go look at that really quick. But yeah, then you got to turn around. You're, so this this little digital snafu, yeah, twelve forty. You're right, Rowdy. This digital snafu could potentially really f up the Brewers here against division rivals, the Chicago Cubs. I I would love to know more. I'm trying to Google like what it is with these digital lineup now, cards. Now but you there's gotta, like nothing about obviously it. Obviously, got to hope that the Brewers' offense continues to uh, score a lot of runs and that Woodruff and Burns these next two games pitch really well. Yeah. I can't imagine. I can't imagine if Woodruff is at seventy-four pitches through seven innings today, with the with Hater already throwing last night and Devin Williams definitely not being available. Mm-hmm. You'd have to imagine they let him go. 
You th- I, yeah, I think so. I would but so, yeah. we'll, we we'll will see. see what happens. More will be revealed in tonight's game. As it always is. How about, though, let's look at the game that happened in a good light, but a lot of weirdness in the ninth inning when Perdomo walked on there and everyone's like, well, our digital lineup card doesn't have him on here. He can't pitch. How about Freddie Peralta, dude? Six innings, he gave up two hits, just that one solo shot for the run. Struck out ten. Freddie Peralta, I thought we were, because we were DMing each other back and forth, I thought was that the – was it the fourth inning or was it the fifth inning when we were like, I thought Freddie Peralta looked gassed. Then he came back out there. It must have been the fourth inning. I thought he looked gassed. Then he came back out there. I was joking. And got it done. Oh, I thought I thought he was like, <sighs> but he was dealing it. I, I thought he actually looked gassed, Rowdy. That was me being sarcastic on messages. I had no idea. Need a little different font. But Freddie Peralta was definitely crazy. No, Freddie Peralta definitely even looked better than his first start. His first start, what, against the Cubs, he went five innings. Had some walks, but ended up uh, giving up no runs. Yeah, he gave up a run this time, but uh, was it what a solo shot? Yeah, it was a solo shot to Chris Bryant, but this time his stuff looked even better. Yeah, he, he had, had better control. Ninety-three pitches, fifty-nine strikes. Freddie Peralta's ERA point six nine. Yeah, basically had nice. just, just one mistake yesterday, and that was a fastball he left up, and Chris Bryant took advantage of that. Every Everything else, Freddie Peralta looked really good. Yeah, he was dynamite, dude. The Brewers and that starting rotation is uh, monstrous. Really good. We'll talk about that coming up. Fly the freaking L. Cubs lose. Cubs lose. Cubs lose. Love it. All right, I'm looking here at uh, Brewers starting pitchers. And they are absolutely phenomenal. What if I were to tell you, though, that the two aces combined for zero wins? What would you tell me, Rowdy? The two aces have combined for zero wins. (laughs) Say that it's early in the season, (laughs) but also they've pitched extremely well, and that's... Yeah, let me go back. Tough to see. Freddie Peralta, two and zero on the season with an ERA of point six nine. Nice. Adrian Hauser, one and one with an ERA of point one eight. Brett Anderson, one and one with an ERA of four point five. That's all right. We will brush over that one. Corbin Burns, zero and one with an ERA of point seven. Three, and then Brandon Woodruff, O and O with an ERA of two point four five. Yeah, now like in Brandon Woodruff's, my God, in Brandon Woodruff's case, he pitched well enough to have at least one win because that other one he didn't pitch uh, the greatest. Where what did he no, give opening up, day uh, right? Yeah, three runs. Yeah, in four day. innings, he didn't pitch good enough to get a win there. Corbin Burns has pitched well enough to have at least one win too. Yeah. Obviously he got out dueled by Barrios, but p- pitched obviously extremely well. Mm-hmm. The Brewers didn't score a run in the game where he gave up one. When you when I read off these when I read off these stats here Rowdy of our starting pitchers for the Milwaukee Brewers. Have you ever I know it's early and we were freaking out earlier about, you know, the bats last week and there was like it's early, it's early, just hang on. Uh can we already be right now being very excited about the starting pitching of how just of a juggernaut they've been so far this season. I mean, the highest one is Brett Anderson at 4.5. But, hell, he did great his last start. What was that on uh, Sunday? Uh, when you look at all these guys, I'm looking like Woody, 2.45 ERA. Corbin Burns, 0.73. Brett Anderson, like I just said, 4.5. Adrian Hauser, 1.8. And Freddie Peralta, 0.69. 
Have you ever remembered a time when all five Brewers pitchers well, – I know it's 4.5 for Anderson, but I'm going to roll with it because he's been looking good. Do you ever remember a time when the Brewers were solid one through five? And are the – I guess follow-up question, are the Brewers truly solid one through five, or is it too early to get the correct numbers on these guys? Way too early. It's a good. It's a good way, thing though. Way too early. It's a good thing though. Correct. Now, now this might be a little bit different if it was the 2020 season, where you're already like an eighth <laughs> yeah. of the way through it. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Freddie Peralta already has 24 strikeouts. Uh, Hauser seven, but you don't expect that from him. Five from Anderson. Same. Burns has 20, and Brandon Woodruff has 13. Freddie Peralta has been straight freaking fire. Corbin Burns, fire. Bryn Woodruff, fire. Well, I mean, you, you've said it. I mean, you listed off some of the ERAs. Well, you listed off the ERAs for every starter. Every starter has an ERA sub three except for Brett Anderson. Yeah, and Anderson. And Anderson is supposedly the fifth guy in the rotation. Yeah, exactly. I'm looking at this rotation, and I'm like, damn, this is balling. I don't ever remember a time when the Brewers... Again, it's early. I get it, but I'm going to overreact because I'm excited about it. I don't remember a time when the Brewers had this caliber of 2011. Th- what'd you say? Three of them. So Woodruff, Burns, then throw Peralta up there. Where do you put Hauser? Anderson's last, right? And then Hauser's. How they've looked so far? Yeah. I would say Burns and Peralta. Then then Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, then Woody, and then uh, then I would go with uh, Hauser. This has just been absolutely electric for uh, the Milwaukee Brewers uh, on the mound, just crushing it. Okay, so in 2011, which was the year that came on the top of my head for better uh, rotations that I've seen from the Milwaukee Brewers, they had all five guys won at least 11 games. Damn. And every single starter's ERA was in the threes, except for Chris Narvison, who was the fifth guy. Narvatron. He was just under 4.5. Chris Narvison. I forgot about Chris Narvison. Also, you'd have to go back and look to see what the rotation looked like in 2018 because they got a lot of good performances from guys like Jolice Chassin, Wade Miley. Obviously, you still had uh, Woodruff. You yeah. still had... Um, Jimmy, was Nelson hurt then? No, I think he was out that year. He was out that year? The Brewers have got a special thing cooking right now uh, with that starting pitching rotation. And then the bullpen, there's the A bullpen, right, Rowdy? And then there's the B bullpen. How big is the drop-off from the A bullpen to the B bullpen, in your humble opinion, if they're able to get the uh, lineup card right to get the uh, the bullpen pitchers out there? Because that A bullpen, I mean, you look at it, Devin Williams, Rookie of the Year, and then Josh Hader. My God. How big is that drop-off from the B bullpen? Yeah. Because Yardley just been sent, sent down the alternate side, right? But, yeah, like let's not forget what's happened to the, to the quote, B side of the bullpen. You had – a guy in Eric Yardley that was phenomenal last season for the Brewers in that 60-game season. He's been the worst pitcher that has come out of the bullpen this year. And then you look at uh, the fact that guys like Justin Topa, who are going to be B guys, are now injured. Yeah. So, I mean, they do have some guys on the IL. They do have some guys that have so far underperformed. But for the most part, I mean, you, you can't be too upset with the bullpen. I mean, look at look at the pitching staff just in general. Yeah, um, definitely the huge strength of the Milwaukee Brewers is all those arms. And the bats, okay, on the offensive side of things, are the bats coming alive? I know they had, well, let's see, eight hits last night, but it was really only that sixth inning. 
but you'll take it, right? Is it really only that sixth inning when they blew it wide open? Does that count as coming alive of putting up six in the sixth? Hey, if if the average uh, Major League Baseball team scores about four and a half runs a game, they scored six. Who cares if it was in one inning? Yeah, that's a good point. I saw a lot of people like bitching and moaning a little bit. Like obviously you'd like to score multiple innings, but if you're going to get six runs, who cares if it's a uh, one run for the first six innings or six in the sixth. Yeah, that's a good point. I saw people complaining online yesterday. Well, everyone's always complaining online. That's like the new norm. If you're not bitching about politics, you're bitching about more politics. And if you're not bitching about that, maybe you're bitching about the Brewers only getting six runs in one inning. And it, there were multiple innings later in that game where the Brewers had threats and they just they couldn't score them. Yeah, the Brewers left, what, seven runners on base here. Uh, but, yeah, in that sixth inning, it was – well, the base is loaded, and then you had Luis Urias get up there, and we'll 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 have the play of the game again in about an hour, because at seven forty we're going to talk to our guy Grant Bills of the Wisco Sports Show. I think he's it still. It was a tough scene for him last night. I hope he gets a lot of rest. Yeah, I think. Well, I don't know if he's getting a lot of rest. I think he was crying himself to sleep again last night, hugging his uh, his stuffed animal that had Orlando Arcia's face taped on it. Uh, he misses him dearly. Why? I'm not sure because Luis Urias came in and kicked it off for the Milwaukee Brewers in the sixth inning. It was it was electric. And that's the reason why. Then Jackie Bradley Jr., the uh, RBI triple, and then Keston Hira continuing to um, look a little better. So looking here, Rowdy, uh, Omar Narvaez, 440 is his average. Next highest would be uh, Avi Ciel. I already screwed it up. Avi Garcia, 242. And then, no, I'm sorry, I take the back. Travis shot 276, then Garcia 242, and then it kind of drops off there. I think we need to talk a little bit more about Narvaez later in the show, too. I'm down, dude. And uh, the beanball that he took. Yeah, uh, let's just kind of set the table really quick. Did you think that was retaliation, Rowdy? I thought it kind of was. I mean, go back and watch the play. Wilson uh, Contreras really didn't even set up to receive the baseball. He gave up on the pitch right as it was released. All right, 608 321 Twitter. That's at Zone Madison. All right, Rowdy, hit me with it, with the uh, the Contreras and wanting retaliation because he was hit, what, two games in a row, and the last time he was hit by a Brewers pitcher, it was who hit him? Uh, I forget who hit him, but it was the ninth inning. It was Boxberger. Oh, yeah, Boxberger. It wasn't, wasn't it the ninth inning, and the Brewers were winning by like four I'm like, dude, no one's trying to hit you. Just go walk to your base, yada, yada, yada. Well, that was when they had to bring in Boxberger to make sure, you know, to put out the fire. And it was relatively a close game where if, you know, you give up a big hit or a home run, this is a real ball game. Mm-hmm. He's not trying to hit you. <laughs> trying to get this game over with. So what happened? Set the scene for us last night, Rowdy, with uh, what you think and probably could be retaliation. Well, I mean, the Brewers, obviously, they... They busted out in the sixth inning and took a six to one run mm-hmm. or six six to one lead, and Chafin was on the mound. And if you saw the two zero pitch was somewhat up and in against Omar Nervias, then all of a sudden a three zero pitch. Okay, let's set the scene. I'm gonna try and find the video. <laughs> let's set it, the it's scene. It's two and zero, and you've already now. I believe it was at the time was it five or six runs. So you've already kind of uh, gave that. Kind of gave that game away late. But the third pitch goes a little bit up and in. And now it's 3-0. and But you need to get the outs, right? You just kind of got to get out of that inning and and hope that you can find some uh, relief to at least keep it at six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Where do you think that fourth pitch is going to go? Probably right down the middle. You'd think. Because yeah. it's either going to be looked at for the most part or he's going to lay one in there Yeah, and, and he's going to attempt to swing and you know what's going to happen. It's, it's most likely going to be right down the middle. Yes. Nope, it goes up and in again and hits him. Two straight pitches up and in, and then the, the second one gets him. And if you watch Contreras, when they set up, he hardly even sets his glove up. And he then right when, right when Chafin releases the pitch, he doesn't even attempt to go catch it or anything like that. He, it almost was like he knew what was going to happen. And it was a little retaliation, I, I think, for hitting him twice. So um, it, earlier in the game, it was, uh, what, was it Garcia? Did he get hit too with the up up and in fastball? I don't think that was anything because was that Garcia that got hit? Someone else got yeah, hit. Yeah, Avisel Garcia took one off the elbow. The elbow with no pad on. Yeah, that's what it was. And there was a hit there. And I'm reading here after a bunch of chatter about how many times that the Brewers have plunked Contreras. The Cubs pitchers first they plunk, um, well they plunk Garcia and Nervaez, but mm-hmm. neither of the of the batters that got plunked pointed at the pitcher or the opposing dugout, and neither of them charged the mound. Wasn't it Wilson? Wasn't it Contreras that was uh, like quasi charging the mound and had like the hold me back guy a little bit? Yeah, he got all fired up and upset. But the biggest thing is when they asked him about it, wasn't a, his comment wasn't even about the elbow. His comment was about the the pitch that hit him the game before, where he said, "Well, ago. I was just defending myself because I could have got hurt by getting hit in the head." Yeah, that was. That was the time before. That was the time where you went, you got up, dusted yourself off the dirt, and walked down to first base. Yeah. You didn't come after anybody after you got hit in the head. You came after him after you leaked your elbow out over the plate and then blamed it on getting hit in the head the day before. It's it's amazing how many guys who crowd the plate get upset when they get hit. It's like, well, you, you're you're kind of standing in the danger zone there. You know, you kind of know. Way there, bud. Like, I'm going to dusty off the plate a little bit here. But, yeah, I like the fact that the two brewers that got beamed, they're just like, didn't do anything. They're just like, all right, I'll take my base. I'm fine. I'm cool. But then Wilson Contreras before in the in the the series before is just the biggest crybaby out there. And you so know what? It was the ninth inning, like Rowdy said, ain't nobody trying to beam you. Right. I understand getting upset and over no one, getting hit in the head. And no one, no one was trying to hit you in the head either. Yeah. Like, that's one that clearly got away. And we talk about unwritten rules of baseball. I don't think there's... Most of the time when it becomes... <laughs> most of the time when it becomes a retaliation thing, they're clearly trying to hit you, like, in the back yeah. or the shoulder or the butt. They're not going for your head because they know that retaliation coming back could also be to their player's head. Right. So now if there might be a there might be a guy once in a while that goes up and in on purpose. But no one is no one is actively throwing for your head. No, they're not headhunting. Especially out there. especially if it is the unwritten rules of baseball. It's normally in the back or it's in the butt, so you know where unless it's where Roger it was coming Clemens. From. I feel like he's admitted to throwing at people's heads before. But didn't didn't Ch- didn't Chafin then get pulled after that? No, he had a couple more batters. Did he? Yeah. I'm trying to remember how it all worked out last night. Um, so he beams them. Do you think those guys will be some retaliation today from? Uh, well, I think they're the already. Pitchers? I think no. the Brewers, the Brewers kind of did it in their own way, if that makes sense. Like they retaliated with another unwritten rule of baseball, and I think RJ 
pointed it out last night in our chat. Stealing bases in the oh in yeah, the, the stealing eighth. the bases, <laughs> stealing stealing bases up five in the eighth. Well, that's an unwritten rule too, right? They get some panties in a bunch, right, Rowdy? Yeah. Here I found it right here. Uh, you can't steal bases when you're up by that many runs. That's not fair. I hate the unwritten rules of baseball. Yeah, I just so I just pulled up the uh, video from do. last night's game, and if you watch the pitch, Chafin's up there. Contreras drops his mitt as Chafin goes into his windup, so he doesn't even have really a target up to yeah. throw to. And then instantly, as it gets released, Contreras just kind of flails towards Narvaez's shoulder, yeah, like a half-ass. All right, I'm gonna somewhat look like I'm trying to go up there, but it wasn't like a real attempt to go get a baseball. See now that. Something that's something that you could probably send on to the league office and, and then there's be a reprimand for. Then when when you continue to play it, after he kind of half ass throws his mid up there, he just walks away and puts his head down and kind of yeah. Oh, you hit me. Oh, ho hum. Yeah, very interesting. I would I'm curious to see if there's anything today. Do you guys feel like there is as much drama and tension between the Cubs and the Brewers as there has been in years past? It's not a rivalry. According to the Cubs, like I yeah. was watching uh, when Daniel Vogelbach was still in the game, I think it, I forget who was on base by him, but they were just chatting it up, laughing, hucking it up, and like nudging each other and stuff. I'm like, it doesn't feel like a rivalry right now. It just doesn't feel like there's a lot of uh, gusto in it. But I guess it's still base, like, baseball's early. lost a lot of its rivalries because I mean guys move to inner division teams. What do you think, Rowdy? I don't know exactly the player that you're specifically talking about, but if you're talking about uh, Vogelbach and insert another Cubs player, there has been a lot of turnover on both rosters since the yeah. 2018 season where it was really turning up. Yeah. Our guy J.A. Krebs says Brewers have taken three of four. I think that's their retaliation. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Let the play do the speaking. <laughs> Hell yeah. I right, will come right back. It would back. be pretty funny though if uh, you know the game gets out of hand in one way or the other, and Contreras takes one uh, in the backside. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. If anyone gets beamed today, I hope it's Contreras. <laughs> Kevin James. <laughs> All right, let's go back to Bounty Gate, 2011. I mean, Brett Favre's involved in that too. Remember? I mean, he's going against the Saints. He's getting his ass just pummeled. See, I was told that the movie's not about Bounty Gate. Oh, everywhere I wear it's about the Bounty Gate in 2011. What were you? What were you seeing about it? Uh, we had a message in here saying that it was just about Sean Payton coaching kids. Huh. Interesting. I don't know. Well, whatever it is, Sean Payton will be playing. I'm sorry, Kevin James will be playing Sean Payton, not the other way around. Kevin James will be playing Sean Payton. Rowdy, does this even work? You said what? The Joker from uh, The Dark Knight. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Eckhart should be playing. Sean that's, Payton. That's who came to my mind right away. I could see like Daniel Craig if he put on a couple LBs. Like Daniel Craig, James Bond, or the former James Bond, he kind of looks like Sean Payton. I think that'd be a good one. But Kevin James to play Sean P- uh, Payton in a biopic is uh Okay, so interesting. Here, here is the, the movie. Kevin James is playing Sean Payton. It's about when Payton was suspended after Biogate or uh Bounty Gate. And in the biopic, the film shows Peyton uh, beginning to reassess his life as he takes a job as an offensive line coach for oh. his son's sixth grade football team. So this is going so to be it's, it's a, it's a movie, funny movie. So it's a movie coaching kids when he's suspended from Bounty Gate. 
So it's going to be, it's by the Happy Madison production. It's Adam Sandler's company. So it's going to be a funny spin on all of this. So Sean Payton said he believes the movie will have a humorous Adam Sandler spin and will be more inspired by his real life experience, not a true story. A lot of air quotes there. Uh, Then an exact retelling. It's going to be focused on his experience coaching the youth team, as Rowdy said, in 2012 after Bounty Gate. So there you go. Peyton said the idea was generated after his daughter, Megan, reported a story for the NFL Network looking back in the season with the kids from the Liberty Christian Warriors team. Megan's boyfriend, Megan is the daughter of Sean Peyton, is Sandler's brother-in-law as well. Megan's boyfriend, Christopher Titone, is Sandler's brother-in-law as well as a known actor who works with Happy Madison. Well, there you go. It's not what you know, it's who you know. So James, a lifelong friend and collaborator, obviously, of Adam Sandler, starring in such hits as The King of Queens, which is one of the greatest TV shows ever. That's like awesome sitcom TV. Paul, or like one of the many grown-ups. <laughs> yeah, I only saw the first one. Paul Blart Mall Cop. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Hilarious movie. And then they say list grown-ups as well. Can you envision Kevin James playing Sean Payton? I would love to see Brett Favre make a cameo in that movie, but like, it's played by someone else. Someone, Adam Sandler should play Brett Favre cameo. I can't see, I can't that, see that at that. all. And Nick Swardson should play Roger Goodell because Nick Swardson's like a big just. I can see that more <laughs> than I can see. What about Rob Schneider? Who would he play? Because <laughs> he's always with the Happy Madison guys. Rob Rob Schneider is. <laughs> he could play. Um, oh, no, I was gonna say Matt Lafleur, but that's 2012. Rob Schneider is okay, a well, carrot. If you're going through that whole crew, <laughs> who's David Spade gonna play? David Spade. Oh my God, David Spade. I don't. We gotta get these all right. Chris Rock. Chris Rock. Who else is in that crew? Uh, Kevin James, David Spade, Chris Rock. Um, who's the guy in uh, Happy Gilmore when he's like, "Got to pay the money." It's a carousel. It goes up and down, out with the good, or out with the bad, in with the good. We got to get the list of these Happy Madison guys and start getting specific roles. Rowdy, if anyone was ever going to play you in a movie, who would it be? Have you ever thought about this? For me, <laughs> no. For me, it'd be Macaulay Culkin. I think Macaulay Culkin would play a, me as a role because I kind of look like Macaulay Culkin. We looked very similar uh, growing up in the '90s. Then Macaulay Culkin went with the uh, look like in some pictures the harder drug route, and kind of got a little weird looking. Where I just got more handsome like a fine wine, better with age. So Macaulay Culkin could play me uh, in a biopic. Rowdy? What about Rudy? Sean Astin. What about Rudy? Never thought about it because there won't be a movie made. Don't, don't say that. You don't know that. You could have a <laughs> no, biopic no, made no about movie. you. The Rise of Rowdy. I can see it now, dude. You could you become you start gambling every day at 650 and 850 on the razor's edge. And then you become just like this the next I'd prefer to prolific stay, I'd gambler. I'd prefer to stay out of Hollyweird. No, I mean, it's going to be Hollywood. Adam Sandler's out of it. Like, he went and moved his production, started his own production company. That's where you get Happy Madison from. You could be, like, it would be the rise, like the meteoric rise of the next prolific gambler from from Madison, Wisconsin well, I mean, to Vegas. I mean, if I Vegas. had to probably pick one person, probably the closest one I could think of would probably be, like, Brad Pitt and Troy. <laughs> I can see it, Rowdy. I can, I, can, I can see Brad Pitt and Troy playing you as you gamble and gamble and gamble and win and win and win. By the way, remind the folks what happened last night in the Razor's Edge. We, we got a W. Yeah, we got a win. There it is. Oh, Bernsey. Bernsey has a suggestion. Oh, I already know. It's, it's going to be Elijah Wood. 
<laughs> no, it's not Elijah Wood. <laughs> well, uh, he said Jimmy. Uh, I don't even know who this guy is. Jimmy Tatro? 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 Who is this guy? Oh, he was in. Oh, I remember this guy from something. I can see it. What about Sean S? What about Rudy? You don't think Rudy could play you? Okay. If it's not going to be Brad Pitt and Troy, it's probably the next closest got to be like Gerard Butler and 300. Right? <laughs> this is Rudy. Kick someone in the pit of despair, in the den of inequity. It's probably the closest two guys they could find. Yeah, you can be Brad Pitt or Gerard, or Gerard Butler play you, and uh, Macaulay Culkin can play me. <laughs> All right, welcome right back. We'll talk some Brewers. Uh, I want to talk some NFL drafts and Packers as well. Uh, we'll be right back. Stick Mitch around. and Madison messaged in, David Spade could play Mason Crosby. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. I can see Oh, John Heater could play uh, J.K. Uh, Scott. Well, what, what was J.K. Scott doing in 2012? <laughs> Nursing on his mommy's booby or something? He looks like he's like six. John Heater could play J.K. Scott. Tall, lanky, kind of dorky Yeah, but looking. how old is J.K. Scott in 2012? It doesn't matter. It's <laughs> yeah, irrelevant. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, Bernsey says, nope, it's Elijah Wood now. <laughs> we go to Elijah Wood. There you go. Macaulay Culkin solidified for me to play my biopic. My wife says I look more like Rory Culkin, which would be his younger brother. I don't know if it's good to be uh, <laughs> looking like a Culkin. And Rowdy's going with uh, Brad Pitt in Troy. Or Gerard Butler in 300. <laughs> I, uh, I've been dipping into Charlie Steel Reserve. <laughs> no. <laughs> you got those beer goggles on? The only, we'll go with it. The only person I've ever been told that I actually looked like by other people were some of our girlfriends in college that said I looked like a Nick Jonas. I could see it. I was also younger and in better shape then, too. I could see a Nick Jonas. Uh, it, well, you got it. You guys I don't with, do you the guys poofy. With, I don't do the poofy hair though. You guys with the dark hair. I mean, you, I have blonde hair. I'm like a. I'm straight up Norwegian, so I am very pale and have very blonde hair. There's not. There's more actors. I feel like that. I got the brown hair than they got the blonde hair. Uh, and I, I guess like Macaulay Culkin, his brother Rory Culkin, or if you've seen the movie Powder, whoever played the albino guy, it could, <laughs> that could be me as well for my biopic. You got the draft coming up here. How many days away did you say it was? Sixteen. <laughs> We're nearing nearing draft time as the NFL, the shield, rules with an iron fist. And you had brought up this last week, and I just remembered it. And you would ask the question, which organization would you rather be in right now? The Packers, who have the drama between Aaron Rodgers, the front office, and the backup quarterback, Jordan Love, or the Eagles in the upcoming draft? Because what did the Eagles say that they're potentially going to do? Well, obviously the Eagles, they drafted Carson Wentz years ago. He had some pretty good years for him and then followed on uh, tough times the last couple of years. And they drafted Jalen Hurts last year, second-round pick out mm-hmm. of uh, Oklahoma. Jalen Hurts, pretty good quarterback, right? And they, yep, they benched Carson Wentz, went with Jalen Hurts, and he played pretty well the last few games of the season. Now, all of a sudden, there are rumors coming out of Philadelphia in that front office that Philadelphia could potentially move up in the draft to select another quarterback. Which wasn't there and already they, reports? And they just earlier? traded Carson Wentz away, which looked like they were going to be giving Jalen Hurts the nod. Correct? Yeah, because well, didn't they bench Carson Wentz like midway through a game, and then Hurts came out, and they're like, "All right, well, it's it's the Hurts era now." 
And then I think he won that game. I think he brought him from behind, if I remember, and won the game. And then no longer was it Carson Wentz's spot. And then Carson Wentz, I think their GM said he's our quarterback of the future. And then a day later, they traded him to the Indianapolis Colts, right? Yeah, they traded him to the Colts. But then if you also remember this, it was, you know, it looked like it was Jalen Hurts' team moving forward. Yeah. But remember when uh, Doug Peterson decided to take him out? And put in Sudfeld. Yes. Nick, Nick, right? Nick Sudfeld. It's either Nick or Nate. Obviously, it's one of the others. Sudfeld. Yeah. What a bizarre situation in Philly. So put yourself in the mind of a Phillies fan. You have Jalen Hurts, who you, what, you trade after trading back. From number six to number twelve in the twenty twenty one draft, they now have, with the first round drawing near, there's reports coming out that the Philly the Philly is uh, might move back up now, to get a quarterback prospect. In what universe does this make any sense? Let's see here. If Trey Lance slides, if Justin Lance or um, Trey Lance slides, if Justin Fields slides, the Eagles might have a high grade on them. They could make that move and trade up to get him. And then what happens? They say they want to either get insurance for Jalen Hurts or competition for Jalen Hurts. Man, huh? what a what a what a just roller coaster of emotion for Jalen Hurts. You finally get in, right? You think you're the guy, and then towards the end of the season, they're looking to lose on purpose because they want obviously a better draft pick. So they bench they bench you, and now all of a sudden they're talking about drafting a quarterback to come in and either push you for the job. Or maybe potentially take your job. It's it's <laughs> insane. But here's the thing. If you used a second round pick on a quarterback last season, you then bench your said starting quarterback for this quarterback, and he performs decently well. Yeah. And you think moving forward he could be your guy. What is the point of trading up the very next year to select a quarterback in the top fifteen picks of the first round? I mean, it literally makes no sense unless your GM's got eggs, be, like scrambled eggs for brains. It would almost be like if the Packers drafted a quarterback in the first or second round again this year. Yeah. Or, oh, it's so bizarre. I, all right, we'll keep talking about it. Let's go to the phones quick, though. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Yellow. Man, patience is a virtue. I heard you, and then you hung up. Tisk, 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 tisk. 608 321 Rowdy, it makes no sense. Which which organization would you rather be on right now? Jalen Hurts, who you got, and now you might move back up to get another quarterback? Yeah, who would you rather be, Aaron Rodgers or Jalen Hurts? I mean, I'm already established on Rodgers, right? But yeah, if you're well, in the I mean, just for your starting, your starting situation. God. Well, here's the, I guess the Eagles haven't done it yet. But, but yes, I'd rather be Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, yeah. The the Eagles haven't done it yet, but the rumors are flying around. So they initially moved back from number six, uh, suggesting that uh, they were all in on Hurts, a second round pick, like you just said. Obviously, last year a legit chance to succeed Wentz, but now they're saying if someone does slide, they'll trade back up. Doesn't it almost sound like both guys are now lame duck quarterbacks? Kinda, yeah. It's it's if I'm Jalen Hurts, I'm pissed. If I'm Rodgers, I, I at least know that I'm coming off an MVP season. You know, I have a lot of say in what happened. Well, maybe I think I have a lot of say. Jalen Hurts, what has Jalen Hurts done to have any say or throw any weight around? Yeah, played in a handful of games, looked pretty decent in those handful of games. Yeah. I'd rather be Rodgers, I but guess. But you would think as a quarterback that was drafted in the second round that, you know, they moved on from the starter, they moved on from the guy that's team it was. Mm-hmm. I played pretty well. Wouldn't you think 
using that high of a draft capital that I would be the next guy. There wouldn't you, would you know think. if you were going to draft a quarterback, maybe you draft a developmental quarterback that you know yeah, fourth, you fifth, sixth round that yeah. that's just there for basically depth. Yeah, not oh if Justin Fields falls, if uh, Wilson falls, or if Trey Lance falls, we're we're gonna scoop them up. Jalen Hurts. Those, are, like, those don't are the fall. top don't three fall. prospects behind the number one guy in Trevor Lawrence. Hurts is like, come on, guys, get drafted. We'll get drafted right away. Let's go to the phones quick. Welcome to the show. Who's this? I'm sorry about that. Oh, oh, your phone's cutting out. Oh, sorry. There you go. I'm sorry about that one. Just hung up on you. My bad. All right, six zero eight three two one sixteen seventy. Twitter zone Madison. Yeah, it's bizarre. I would rather be the Packers and Rodgers in this situation. Same as you? Yeah. Yeah, I think I would rather be Rodgers too because I I think if you're in Rodgers' position, you probably know that you're better than said said guy trying to take your spot. Yes. If you're Jalen Hurts, we all know that Jalen Hurts isn't necessarily Aaron Rodgers-esque when it comes to being a thrower of the football, right? Correct. Like Jalen Hurts, it's not like he's a terrible thrower. But it's it's not like he is an Aaron Rodgers. It's not like he's a Peyton Manning, a Drew Brees. He's not at that level. Yeah. Plus, with such a small sample size of games that you got to start, it almost feels like they were like, "Well, thanks for uh, filling in last year. Now we're gonna go get a quarterback." Where Rodgers? Well, if you think about it, you know he's a Hall of Famer. You know he's a MVP. You know that's he's a, everything. definitely a Hall of Famer right there. Not Julian Edelman, but Aaron Rodgers. Well, if you think about it, Rowdy. Jalen Hurts was given the job. They benched Carson Wentz. Then after the season, the Eagles proclaimed that Carson Wentz was their quarterback of the future, basically telling Jalen Hurts to go back to your number two role. You sit down. Well, then a day later after they said that Carson Wentz was the quarterback of their future, they trade him, and then they trade back in the draft. And now the re- So Jalen Hurts got to be excited about it. And now the reports are out there. They'll trade back up in the draft if the quarterback falls. Therefore, Jalen Hurts is on a roller coaster of emotion. You know who is a really good comparison to Julian Edelman on their careers? Hmm. Jeff Jenkins. <laughs> Pretty good player. And you thought he was really, really good at the time, but when you take a step back, you're like, man, the guy only made it to one all-star team. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> Jeff Jenkins. Nice pull right nice there. Nice player. Nice pull. Not a Hall of Famer yeah, by think any about, means. Think about this during break, or maybe you don't have to think about it at all. Our guy, uh, Vega Manjani, says, would you say a first-round pick is a bust if they never become an all-pro? Can't wait for the draft. 16 days away. April 29th, Thursday, obviously. And Packers Nation, I guarantee, is going to flip their ish over what happens. Rowdy, I'm not a big mock draft guy. When I see a bunch of nerds with their pocket protectors and their tape glasses as they're pushing around papers, you know, in the basement to the wee hours of the morning, grinding tape. And then once the draft happens, they get, obviously, they'll get Trevor Lawrence, right? Then after that, they may get two or three in the top 10, and then it all falls apart after that. All that time spent with your uh, every team mock draft down the tubes. I do like peeking once in a while looking at it. Uh, The Packers. The Green Bay Packers. Right here I see one mock draft at CBS Sports. Round one, the 29th pick overall for your Green Bay Packers. Linebacker, Zaven Collins out of Tulsa. Yeah, and I think we've talked about him a little bit. Maybe like a month ago. Yeah, when that was first projected out, I think it was me, you, and RJ we talked about that. 
And reading his profile, reading, he kind of sounded like a Blake Martinez type. Like, like that was case, his comp, kind of, yeah, right? Best case scenario for him if he if he reached his ceiling was like another Blake Martinez. He was a guy that was going to be a physical linebacker, a downhill linebacker. But just not as quick as he exactly. like. He's going to make the tackles when he gets there, but he's not a linebacker that could run side to side. He's not a linebacker that you're going to want in coverage. He's just going to be a physical uh, good linebacker against the run. Yeah. Um. So I've seen the Packers link to him a bunch of times, actually, for the past month and change that we first talked about him. He really shot up boards over this last two years, or was it just this last year? He shot up really fast because apparently he grew big time uh, out of the weight room and just really turned a lot of heads with his play. And then they have round two, pinch me if this were to happen. Well, again, it's... When's the last time the Packers had a uh, skill player selected, a wide receiver selected in the first round? 2001? 2001, Javon Walker. Yeah, Javon Walker. So still we're going to the same theme of no wide receiver in the first round, but I don't think that's their biggest issue. Round two, 62nd pick overall. They're going wide receiver, Tudu Atwell out of Louisville. You know anything about this guy? I do not. Neither do I. But again, I was just about to uh, start looking into some of the draft profiles on some of the players at every position. Cause I, I, like you said, I don't do a mock draft where it's like every round team, one, every here's year. every pick that I think it's no, I, I don't do that at all. I normally read about the profiles and comps and some of the descriptions yeah. on probably about the top 30 to 35 players at every position. And then I will not make a mock draft, but I will make a, who I like in what round for the Packers. Sure, sure. Specifically for the Packers. Yeah. I could well, let me give you a little bit of this guy. Yeah, I could care less who the Patriots draft in the second you round. Don't I could care. care less who the Dolphins draft in the first round. Checking out this guy is this Tudu Atwell wide receiver at Louisville. 5'9", 155. Man, you got to put on some weight. Uh, 21. He's 40-yard dash is 4.39. Vert, 33. Broad jump, 9'9". Three cones, 6.87. And short shuttle, 4.09. You know, that kind of reminds just off the top of my head, those numbers with the uh, 40 kind of reminds me of uh, Jamon Moore. Yeah, because he was a guy that was a, a blazer. He was a, he was a fast receiver, but they forgot about the most important thing about being receiver is catching the football. Yeah, they give he him catch the ball. Well, they, they, they say one of his biggest knocks is how light he is. They say here are wide receivers 160 pounds or lighter who have caught a pass since 2000. J.J. Nelson, JoJo Natson, Brandon Banks, Dexter McCluster, James Jett, Jalen Saunders, Craig Yeast. That's but that is, it. I will say that, under a 4-4, that's pretty fast. I mean, Jamon Moore was a 4-4-8. Yeah, and he's 4-3-9. Blazing. So there's a, God, I couldn't imagine that the Packers actually drafted a wide receiver. Pigs would fly. I, Hell I would still, freeze over. I still won't believe it until I see it. <laughs> Same. Right, like it's been two years in a row they haven't even drafted a wide receiver. Because I mean, people, every, people get caught up in the, no drafting wide receiver last year. They didn't do it the year before either. Yeah, but last year I felt like we watched the Green Bay Packers in 2019, and you're like, man, outside of Devontae Adams, yeah, who do they got? MVS MVS took a step this year. He was not where he was in 2020 and 2019. St. Brown was struggling on even just getting on the field in 2019. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tunyon did not break out like he did in 2020. They're still in calling 2019. Him, they're still calling him Tanyan in 2019 instead of Tunyon. 
it was basically like, here's Devontae Adams. And here is Aaron Jones who broke out. Hey, here's two guys and some other uh, jokers. Yeah. So it made sense why everyone was screaming for a receiver, right? Mm-hmm. Well, now you've seen the the Tunyons of the world break out a little bit. You've seen MVS and St. Brown get a little bit better where it's like you can at least have them on the field. <laughs> and then, so you might not necessarily need to go get a wide receiver. You've seen that Alan Lazard came out of nowhere in 2019. Yeah. You've seen that he can be a steady receiver. Yeah. I mean, you've seen some, you know that you have Devin Funches now coming back who if healthy and he on a at, cheaper deal and he can at least be a, he's not going to be great, but he can be a steady receiver. Reliable. Hopefully. And yeah, you have all that. This. So it, it makes sense why receiver might not be the top priority, but I think after that 2019 season, you could easily say, go get some stud Wide receiver. Totally. All right, let's go to the phones. Got them blown up. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Uh, I got Vagabond John. How's it going, guys? <laughs> Vagabond Johnny. What is up, brother? Just hanging out. Just hanging out. I got my Tunyon jersey hanging behind me. I'm in my work office. Excited to wrap. I will say I am a pencil pusher pushing my glasses up my nose around mm-hmm. the time. Yes. Love. I'm going to do a seven-run mock for every NFL team. I don't do a lot of mock drafts, but I look at a lot of players. And I look at a lot of draft trends. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that, brother. I'm talking about the guy that puts pen to paper every single team, every single round, and just like breaks it down. Like I'm like, I do not have the time to just do that, dude. Listen, as a guy who has worked security at a grocery store, there are people out there that have time. <laughs> <laughs> security at a grocery store. I'm. Yeah, you probably got some good stories, Johnny. Oh, yeah, there's some good stuff out there. But, yeah, I sent in that question about the first-round picks becoming an all-pro or not. Just wanted to clarify at any time in their career. And I think if you're drafting truly based on best player available, I think your goal really should be to draft an all-pro. If you're drafting based on fit, then you're probably going to end up worse. I'm trying to think. Um, what inspired that? What inspired that question? Was it the Julian Edelman talk? Was it the Jalen Hurts? No. It is Packer fans who are asking the Packers to draft either a cornerback, if you want to draft the fifth best cornerback uh, in the draft, or a wide receiver at their pick this year. So I found some data. You ready for this? I'm ready. Yes, I'm ready for your data. <laughs> if you're drafting in the first round and you're trying to make sure your team has longevity. You should really only be drafting offensive linemen, linebackers, or safeties, and here's why. Since uh, in the last 25 years, linebackers have an all-pro rate if they're drafted in the first round of 26%. So you got a 26% chance. I know we, we all love gambling on this show. Yeah. you got a 26% chance of landing your pick. Uh, if you draft a linebacker, and that's any position that's, uh, you know, that's edge, that's all that. Wide receiver, 15% chance hmm. that you land in all pro. Cornerback, 15% chance. And then the offensive line and safety, you got a 25% chance. So there's a really big gap, and it shows that way too often do we see wide receivers and cornerbacks drafted in the first round that just don't pan out. Uh, if the Packer fans really want to see, you know, the Packers get a Nikhil Harry on their team, I'm sure they're going to be really excited, right? I mean, there's just so many examples. But last point I wanted to make, if you're yeah. looking for wide receivers and you're a Big Ten fan, 
around the fourth through sixth round, you're going to have Amater Bebe from Illinois, Smith Marset from Iowa, and Nico Collins from Michigan, all three of which have tested hugely, and all three of which had trash quarterbacks throwing them in high school. <laughs> those are the guys you want to look out for. Look for those receivers that put up good numbers, even though they got, you know, a walk-on throwing them the football. You got it. Hey, Vagabond Johnny, always a pleasure, brother. It's been too long. Don't be a stranger. Well, we'll do. We'll see you guys. See you, homie. So Vagabond Johnny. And to answer his question for a, a first-round bust, I, I mean, what I would expect out of a first-round pick is just being a steady player. What he said, uh, the, if, if they're not an all-pro, is it a bust? I don't think it's a bust if they're not an all-pro. Well, I went and looked it up because a lot of people are clamoring for Julian Edelman to be in the Hall of Fame. He never was an all-pro. He was a second-team all-Mac besides being a Super Bowl champion No, and I a think- Super Bowl MVP. I think if you draft a guy in the first round and he becomes a serviceable starter, that's not that's not a bust, but that's definitely not an all pro. Yeah.